Well, let me invite you to bow your heads. We'll start today's message with a prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to have you as our fortress, as our stronghold, as our refuge and strength. You are an ever-present help in trouble. That's what you promise us, Lord. And as we hear today's message, I ask that all of us would leave this message feeling ever more confident, not confident in ourselves, not self-assured, but confident in you, Lord, assured by your promises, knowing that you are a faithful God who loves us today as you loved the people to whom you originally had this psalm written. Grant us to know how to live within you as our fortress and our strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. Lord, you are, as this sermon says so clearly, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think by now most of you know that I, I kind of have a, a missionary's heart, uh, served for 14 years in Zambia, Central African country, um, served uh, about seven years with Native Americans in eastern Arizona, um, have been part of a church startup from scratch with 25 people in Phoenix, and here I am now in this beautiful church. And I, and I will tell you that one of the most memorable moments of my entire 40-plus year ministry was 10 years ago, in 2014, I traveled to the country of Mozambique by myself because um, this is a dream that I and several missionary friends had had for 25-plus years at that point. Now it's 35-plus years to start something in Mozambique, to get a gospel mission going there. Predominantly a Roman Catholic and Muslim country, we just felt the need to bring the glories of the Lutheran message to, to people uh, in Mozambique. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, God's word alone, all to God's glory alone. That, when I ask, uh, how, how do you characterize what Lutheranism is? I always talk about what, what uh, people who speak Latin call the five solas, meaning the five alones. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, God's word alone, to God's glory alone. I believe it's the message the world needs to hear. And it's certainly the message we need to hear every Sunday. And so on that first trip in 2014, I got to go to this amazing place called the island of Mozambique. It was the, the very first place where the whole country eventually derived its name from this one tiny island, not even a mile wide, uh, hardly two miles long. And you'll see um, a picture of it coming up here. On that island, here it is, you can see how big it is, there is a fort, the fort of San Sebastian, built in the 15-1600s. This fort was constantly under attack by other colonial powers, like the Dutch, for example. It was built by the Portuguese, and yet not once did that fort fall. 
you can see that it'd be pretty hard to take this fort surrounded by ocean, and if somehow you landed people down here, there's all this open area here where you would come under attack as you tried to get over the walls. And I have a few pictures. Show the next couple of pictures. That these are obviously uh, pictures taken by someone else. But here's one taken by me. Here's another taken by me. Look at those walls. Can you imagine yourself with maybe a spear or a bow and arrow going up against people up here with cannons? I don't think that'd be very fun. In fact, I'd say it'd be downright dangerous. And when I was touring the fort of San Sebastian, I got to go all inside. I got to see where their cistern was. They have an actual cistern where they collect rainwater and is this huge pool so they could withstand a siege. I couldn't help but think of Psalm 46. That God is our protection. And what would it be like to think of God constantly living in God, living in Christ, as living in a fortress like this that is portable, that could move with me wherever I go so that I'm always experiencing God's protection, God's love. God's forgiveness, God's power against the devil, the world, and even my own sinful flesh. What would it be like if I could live as if I live in a fortress every day? And when circumstances weren't so pleasant, weren't so happy, were downright worrisome, or maybe even upsetting if I could still somehow get myself in these challenges and circumstances, adverse circumstances of life, to see myself inside the fortress, God, protected, helped, secure. Well, when I got back to the hotel room, I read Psalm 46 again, and I realized that's exactly what God has given you and me. Exactly what God has given us. A spiritual soul's fortress that gets to go with me wherever I go, no matter how much under attack I might be, no matter how much things are... Like, that's the Indian Ocean, by the way. They have hurricane-like storms. Never once did the fortress fall from that kind of an adverse event either. And you have that. You have that for your soul. I have that for my soul. And so I want to read in that light, while you're still looking at this picture, thinking about those thick walls, I want to read this. For the director of music of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. This was meant to be sung like a hymn. Maybe picture soldiers manning the walls and singing this as their hymn. We're on the walls of a fortress, but you know what our true fortress is? Let us sing to you about it. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. 
Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. They have more than a cistern inside their fortress city. There's an actual flowing, ever-present uh, source of water for them. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. After a long night, struggling, fearful, God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, and this is so beautiful, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let me tell you who I'm especially teaching to today. Some of you right now are going through some really tough moments in life. I don't know all your individual circumstances perfectly, but some of you are struggling in your relationships with someone in your life, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, maybe even a long-term friend, a family member. You're struggling, and it is so upsetting and so troublesome you can't sleep at night. Some of you are going through work situations, struggling with, with bosses that either don't give you any clear direction at all or are so demanding and to the point that you can barely stand to walk through the door of your workplace because you know your boss will be waiting there with another long list of things for you to get done by yesterday. Some of you, some of you are dealing with illness. You're in pain. Maybe you've been injured. Maybe you've had a recent surgery. And, and you're not able to sleep at night because the painkillers don't quite do it for you. I talked to my little grandson yesterday. He was so cute. Grandpa. Papa, I have a cold. I said, well, how was your day? Oh, my day wasn't very good because of this cold. Some of you maybe are going through stuff like that. It, it's not major, but it is also not fun. And, and what I'm here to tell you is God gave you this set of promises, this word for your life to take with you to remind you, you have a mighty fortress. And so let's dive in, pull out your notes, 
because I'm going to urge you today, and I'm going to share with you some practical ways for, for, for answering just this question, not only how do I know that I have a, a, a fortress in God, but also how do I stay in the fortress? Like, what does that look like practically, staying inside the fortress? And I'm going to tell you that there is a truth that's going to change everything for you. And that truth is in this psalm. And if you can believe that truth, and say, this is not just true for old guys from thousands of years ago, dusty saints who have long departed, but also true for me. Every day, if you can see this, here's what I want you to write in your first blank. This is the truth that will change the way you see everything. Charles Spurgeon, I've quoted him from up here before. He's one of my favorite preachers. And he calls Psalm 46 a psalm of holy confidence. I'm wagering that most of us would love to wake up every day without a heart filled with doubt and confusion and wonder what what else is going to happen to me today and where are those circumstances that I, I started dealing with six months ago? What's going to happen with those today? Because it's been a painful journey. I would like to just wake up with a smile, with some joy, with some confidence. But not confidence in self, because that is so shaky. To be confident in yourself, that's what the world will tell you is the important thing. Be self-confident. The problem with that is we're sinful too. We're human. We're weak. The moment we try to build confidence on a platform of self, we're building that house of confidence on sand. You want to build your house of confidence on the rock, build it on the one who is the rock. Let's reread Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Man! Dustin, we need to create a sermon series out of that one verse. God, in the original, is the word Elohim. It means the God that created everything, the God who has been our God forever and ever is our refuge, our place of hiding from the storms of life. He's our strength. He gives us the ability to stand and fight and not just collapse and give up. His presence, His help, is always there. There's not a moment from God's point of view that the fortress comes down. There's there's never according to that, like this one single verse where you're going to run for the fortress and go, where'd the fortress go? Where'd it go? Where'd God put the fortress? God, you promised you're an ever-present help. Now where did you hide the fortress? Can I tell you that's never going to happen? 
not if it's an ever-present help. And when is it especially not going to happen, according to 46.1? In trouble? In the very times that you're most likely to be confused, discouraged, angry, worried, anxious. Remember what Paul said in Philippians? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't, he starts all that with, don't be anxious about anything. Rather, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to me because I'm here. That's just Paul's little bit later way of saying the fortress is still there. Run inside. Run inside through prayer. Now, there's a struggle, and I'm just to be honest with you about the struggle. This is one of the reasons why we daily need Christ to have died on the cross for us, shed his blood for us, risen in victory, because in our sinfulness, the fortress is always there. It's an ever-present help in times of trouble, but we human, due to our human sin and weakness, can be blind to the fortress. It's not God. He hasn't taken it down. We sometimes look at it as though he has, but he is never going to take it down. But we can be struck by blindness. Spiritual blindness is what it is, blindness of the soul, where because of our worries, because of our anxiety, because of our anger, because of our fear, especially because of our fear, We get fear-blinded, and we start looking over at what we fear. We look at the circumstances, and let me tell you, if you let your life and your heart and your soul be defined by the circumstances of your life, you will be blind a long time. Where we all need God's forgiveness and God's strength and God's help is in the midst of our circumstances, in order for our circumstances to be renewed, we have to learn by the power of the Holy Spirit, with the help of God, to turn our face away from the circumstances because the circumstances are the very thing blinding us to the fact that the fortress is still there. We let the circumstances block our view. Nothing is ever going to change. God is your refuge and strength. Nothing is ever going to change that he is your ever-present help in times of trouble. But what can change, and we're going to talk more about this in just a second, is your perspective. Are you looking this way or that way? And perspective is so important. C.S. Lewis says this, Faith in the sense in which I'm here using the word is the art of holding on to the things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. Now, leave that up. Often we insult the word reason, and there's there's a good cause to do that because our reason can get in the way of trusting God's word. But I want to tell you that's not the sense in which Lewis is using the word reason here as a negative thing. He's simply saying that there is a time when God's word works on our mind and our mind begins to accept that what God's word is telling us is true. 
my mind, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the working of the Word of God, can actually grab hold of, I have a fortress around me all the time. His name is God. He's my refuge, my strength. He's an ever-present help in my trouble. My mind can get a hold of that, but what does Lewis say? Say. The, the, the problem is holding on to this realization. Holding on in my mind and accepting the truth that I have a fortress to live in and protect me in spite of my, wow, my changing moods. See, moods, moods are up here and down there, and they can change at a moment's notice. If you're in a really bad mood yesterday, doesn't mean you're in a really bad mood today. We have to be careful about our moods because they will block our view of the fortress, God. And so here's what I want you to write down as the first conclusion. God is always present. And if you have a pen, circle those words, always present, to keep me safe and strong. I want you to grasp that with your mind, with your heart, with your soul. He is always present to keep you safe and strong. The second thing that's important to know about renewing your circumstances is this. Your position determines your perspective. Where you're standing, to a certain extent, influences what you see. You want an illustration of this? What just recently started? Anyone want to help me with this? What just, what just recently started, guys? The NFL season, college football, right? You with me? Because I love football, right? But when you're watching on TV, have you ever noticed the different perspectives they give you based on different positions of the camera? Let's, let's take a look. You know what this camera is used for? To be right in the face of the running back as he's running down the field so you can follow his little legs moving rapidly. They try to get that cable camera as close to the action as they possibly can. When you see this view, you're going to have a certain perspective about the game. More commonly, though, we see a camera like this. And even here, notice there's two positions and two perspectives from the sideline. Isn't that interesting? One camera can point there and another camera can point there. The position is everything, but we're not done yet. The Goodyear blimp has a position too, doesn't it? And a perspective. Now, if you watch any single football game from any of these three cameras, the game's not going to change. The score's not going to change. The plays are going to be the plays you see but, or maybe I should say my favorite word, and, you're also going to get a little different perspective on the game based on the position of the cameras. Can we all agree on that? Doesn't really change anything of substance about the game, but it will change the way you see things. And that is so important when we're dealing with, as C.S. Lewis just reminded us, our moods, our emotions, 
the circumstances in our life is to consider our position. Here's why. God very clearly wants you to see life from a certain position. You ready to hear what that is? This is life-altering, if you're ready for it. What the Bible tells us is that God has built a city around us, a protected city around us. Now, in the Old Testament, there was an actual physical city, Jerusalem, perched up on a hill. The interesting thing is we know God's not talking about Jerusalem here because he says there's a river in the midst of it. There's no river in the midst of Jerusalem. He's talking about something more important. A city that can perpetuate in Old Testament and New Testament. And he says, I want you to position yourself within that city as a citizen of that city. And if you will see your life as positioned from the point of view of a citizen of God's kingdom, of God's city, it will change all your circumstances. There's that famous saying, I quoted it in the, in the Friday email, when you change the way you see things, the things that you see also change. So God very deliberately says, you are a citizen of the city. Let, let's, look about, let's look and see what God says in Psalm 46 about this city. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. This city will not fall, so be a citizen of this city. God will help her, meaning he will help you and all your fellow citizens at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Some of you are worried about geopolitical events in our world today. I hear you talk about it. Some of you come in to talk to me about it and Dustin about it. It's an ugly world out there. A lot of, in my view, demonic things are happening in our world today. And, and, and the devil knows how to use governments. That's as old as Satan himself. You can go all the way back into Genesis and hear about the people separated and built cities all over the world and some were evil and some followed as children of God and already there. But if you want more, just take a look at the New Testament and how even already back then, Sinful, evil, worldly government was portrayed as one of the dragons in the book of Revelation. Did you know that? Worldly, sinful, Satan-influenced government has been attacking the church for centuries. So be prepared is what I'm telling you. Because... That's what is being talked about. And in fact, if you read this carefully, come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Many scholars believe 
God is talking about the final dissolution of all worldly governments that are evil. And the world itself, Judgment Day. It's coming. It's coming. Go back to what happened just before the flood. All the thoughts of their heart were only evil all the time. So we have to be cautious. And yes, I'm a patriot too. To young Ryan, I will say, I'm grateful for your Christian service in the U.S. military. We need more Christians to slow down the satanic influence that's going to be there if we don't have it. And it takes courage. And God will give you that courage. Live in the fortress, brother. But we have to expect these things at the same time as Christians. We've had a long history in this country of being able to live in peace as Christians. That appears to be coming to an end. It I'm just going to say it again. It appears to be coming to an end. Now, I don't know for sure. I'm definitely not a prophet. I, if I'm a prophet, I'm the stupidest prophet that has ever lived. I, I cannot predict the future. But when I look at the tea leaves, I think it's more likely that times of peace for Christians in this country are, are coming to an end. Part of the reason I love going to Africa, because you can see the gospel just flourishing in places like Africa. It's amazing. God wants to firmly position you as a citizen, not of the U.S. or of any other country, but a citizen in his city. Write that down, and then I'm going to go back, and I want to prove it to you from a very clear passage in the New Testament. Look at Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. You are a citizen of God's city. Okay, point number three. When the going gets tough, the tough get trusting. Some of you read, I was hoping I could fool you into say the tough get going. I put a twist on it, as you can tell. Because what Psalm 46 is telling us is, before you get going, start with trusting. Trusting these promises. Trusting that you're living in the fortress. You can get going. I'm not saying not to get going, especially not to get going with the gospel and its influence. Not to get going with the blood shed for you on the cross by Jesus the victory of the empty tomb. Get going with those beautiful things. They're awesome. But before you get going, get trusting. Take a look how God puts that in the psalm. But he says, be still. In other words, not first get going. First be still. Calm down. Try a prayer. Try spending a little quiet time with me, confident in my promises. Be still. 
First be still. And know that I am God. Everything I have said and promised will happen because my words create things. Starting in the original creation. I will be exalted among the nations. No matter how bad your circumstances get, I will be honored, God says. I will be exalted in the earth right here. Here's your confidence. Here's what I want you to tell yourself every day, God says. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. All right, I want to finish the last, the last fill-in because before I let you go, I've got something important to do with you. So here's the last fill-in. Even if my world is crumbling, God is my rock. And by the way, this is not just promised one time in the Bible. This is promised over and over. Psalm 18.2, go back to that picture right before this one. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And then it, down here, I, I laughed at this. It says anonymous. The, this guy had quoted the Bible but hadn't read the Bible because it's not anonymous. It's Psalm 18 too. Literally. Can you take Psalm 18 too with you wherever you go or Psalm 46? This is what living in the fortress looks like. Okay, here's the last point. I'm going to apply this. I'm going to make this very practical. I want you to dig inside your program right now. I'm asking for your help. And by the way, for those of you who are worried, there is a clock on the back wall. I can see where we're at time-wise. <laughs> see this? Here's my challenge. Not enough of you understand yet how, how important this is for you. And the reason I know that is not enough of you are signed up yet. And there are tables out in the lobby. And, and in order to encourage you, and I, here's the why. Always start with why, Simon Sinek says, so I'm going to start with why. Why is there are going to be many times when your moods aren't right, your fears are high, circumstances are elevated in a bad way, and you're going to be going... Like that, spiritually. Running to and fro, but not knowing really where the fortress is. So do you know what you do practically to prevent the, I don't know what to do right now, moment, spiritually? Don't do life alone. Please don't do life alone. And, and I don't even mean without children, without a spouse, without friends. I mean without other Christians, other believers, other Christian friends. If you do life alone, you're killing yourself. And so the last thing I want to say is, please study this. Please think deeply about it. This is the way that we at Amazing Love provide something for you that allows you to make friends and not do life alone.
to have somebody who can grab hold of you in those moments of deep, worrisome, bitter, adverse circumstances and say, hey, I know right where to go. Come with me. Let's go to God. And I have the perfect environment in which we can go to God, which is a growth group where 10 or 12 of us are going to meet in a home or here at church and we're going to talk about God's love for us together, God's protection, God's presence, and we're going to strengthen one another. Men, I didn't count, but I think there are two men's groups in here. Men, you're the spiritual leaders of your home. Now, grab your wife and go to a couples group. There are multiple couples groups if that's how you want to do it. If that's not how you want to do it, Dan, raise your hand. There's the leader of the men's group. Steve, raise your hand. There's two of them here today. Dustin, raise your hand. There's another one that he helps lead. Phil, raise your hand. Men, I just showed you the key to getting in a men's growth group. Lead your families spiritually and don't do it alone. Ladies, you knew I was coming to you, didn't you? There's multiple ladies groups too. They're all labeled in here. I don't have to go through them. Youth, young people. There are young people's growth groups. There are what I like to call the veterans of our congregation. There are several veterans, older age growth groups. All right. 1003, you all ready to go home now? This is the most practical thing I can tell you. Join a growth group, and it will protect you in life's circumstances by taking your hand when you don't know what else to do and saying, let's get inside the fortress, let's get in the walls, let's be protected with God's constant blessings that run like a river through the middle of this city. All right, I have a vision, and I want to share this vision as we close out the message today. The vision is that we have a mighty fortress in our God. I, I, I want you to truly see that that is God's vision for your life. Not, not singing the song as a hymn, but going through all of life. Imagine that with a sense of safety and security and strength and confidence. That's what God wants you to have. He wants you to sing every day a song of holy confidence. He wants you to sing not just with words and notes, but he wants you to sing it with your life. A mighty fortress is my God. All because we trust what God promises us. All because we trust what God promises us here in Psalm 46, Psalm 18, and throughout the whole rest of the Bible. God that supernatural being above all nature that formed the world, rules the universe by his almighty power, sent his son to be your savior. That God, the God who raised his son after he died, is your God, your protection, and is present in your life. Run into him. When life is in uproar and seems to be crumbling, 
He will make you secure, safe, at peace, even joyful. God, God, you are ours. You are ours, our fortress, our strength. And by your grace, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we are yours. Hide us throughout the storms of life. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Let's take a moment and confess our faith in God and the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.